0: When I was 19 years old, I got my first girlfriend and I fell deeply in love with her. Like we spoke for months before we had ever gotten intimate together. And she was the first girl that I ever opened up and that I had sex with and everything, right? So it was like a deep bonding experience, a deep attachment. And then I started to get some kind of gut feeling that something was going on. And as a man, even for women, like, you know, your gut feelings never wrong. And I was started to be filled with anxiety with these negative thoughts that maybe she's cheating, she is cheating, she is cheating. She's probably with a guy right now. And so I remember a particular day where we lived kind of close to each other, like we were at university and she was in one student halls, like accommodation building and I was in another. And one day I didn't even text her to say that I was coming. I just walked over to her place just kind of like almost coping thinking that yeah you know when I see her I'll just say like oh yeah my text didn't send or something I said I was coming over or something but expecting to see something horrible and the gut feeling was like I feel it today I still look back to this moment I I can feel the same pain and I'm walking towards her place with total anxiety shallow breath I walk into her building And I actually get let into like the first part of the building where usually you need like a key fob but someone was stood outside so they just pressed it for me. And then I go to her flat where there's like 10 people living and she's got like a room there. And I just knock on and another girl opens it who's like her flatmate and you know she recognises me so she just lets me in whatever. And I'm literally right outside of my girlfriend's room and she doesn't know I'm there. And I knock on the door. Genuinely expecting there to be another guy in there. And she opens it. She's shocked to see me. And I've got like, you know, this weird kind of probably this weird awkward personality. Cause I'm literally expecting to see like another man fucking my girlfriend. And there wasn't. There was no one there. She was kind of shocked to see me because she expected me to like text her first. And I'd love to tell you that the story stops here, and I was like, Phew. You know okay you know I was just feeling a bit anxious but the gut feeling was still there it was there and I knew that I was not wrong with this so I asked her I didn't even ask her I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you I'm not proud of this this was a good like six years ago so I've changed now but I made her show me her phone because I just knew that there was something like, you could just tell like that gut feeling is never wrong that's from billions of years of evolution it is not wrong And she's, you know, feeling weird about it. Wait, what's this? No, 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 like, whatever. But then eventually, you know, she passes me her phone. And I start to look through the messages. And it's just right there. A message between her and and some guy. They're just talking about, like, you know, like, casual stuff. And my heart's beating fast. And I'm, like, literally, like, I'm barely even breathing. I'm just stood there awkwardly with tension through my body, like, reading this this message on her phone. And nothing's, like, sexual or anything, but... There's still some kind of like evolutionary primal female feeling inside of me that this is wrong And so many people on like, you know online would say like oh, yeah, you're a misogynist You're controlling and stuff. This is you know, she she can text whoever she wants and then I asked her the question Have you ever slept with this guy before? And she hasn't That's what she told me No no, of course not. No, 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 I've not. No, he's just like a guy from my hometown. He was just asking me how I was doing in university because he thinks he might come to this university soon or something. You promise you haven't slept with him because you can't be messaging guys that you've you've previously had sex with, you can't. Bear in mind, an extra part of me feeling so emotional and vulnerable was that literally, I was, I was 19, she was a few years older than me. So she had had like two boyfriends and two hookups before me, like we spoke about this. She was my everything, like sexually, emotionally. Whereas I was the fifth guy that she had pair bonded with. She was my everything. I was her 20%. This is why it hurts so much more. And this is why I felt so wrong. And I just ask again and again and again, like, how do you know him? Like you've kissed him before. No, no, we've done nothing. We've done nothing. 100% she is certain she is adamant. She's like, you know, fully telling me the truth. They've done nothing. The next few weeks of this relationship that I had, you know, when I was 19 years old in university, the most stressful, anxious times of my life, constant distrust, overthinking, you know, just these like like dirty thoughts in my mind of like what she's doing and constantly wanting to check up on her, looking through her phone. And constantly just asking her, like, so wait, who is this guy? That guy that you messaged, he messaged you again. How about this? Is he one of the guys that you had a hookup with? Because I know he's not one of your previous boyfriends, but like, is he one of the. No, 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 no. You know, she's like trying to make me feel better till eventually I just keep asking the same question. With no other data or proof or anything like that, other than just my gut feeling. Have you slept with him? Just tell me the truth because if you lie to me again, I will leave forever. And that's when she nods her head and says, yes. That that gut punch like that dry throat, literally heart tearing feeling that I felt then. I remember this was on a video call, and I was here in this house in the garage, in like we have like a home gym, and I was just sat on the bench, like you know, almost like literally bullying her into saying, like, tell me the truth. I know, like I I, I can feel it inside. I know that he you've he's someone that you've had sex with before, and you can't like you've you've told me so many times you've you've lied so many times. I had no proof of this other than just my gut feeling. You've lied so many times. And just seeing her, her like sort of head of bow down in shame. And when she told me I lit bro, I put like my, my phone, like on the video camera, like down like this. And I literally had like some kind of like fucking like weird face for a few seconds of total primal pain straight afterwards. I pressed hung up and went onto WhatsApp. I blocked her. I went onto i iMessage blocked her, FaceTime blocked her, Instagram blocked her, Facebook blocked her, blocked her from everything. And literally less than five minutes later, I unblocked her from everything. Crying and stuff and just angry and everything. And I tell her, yeah, I'm breaking up with you and everything. And she's crying and she's so upset. and She's, I'm so sorry I've hurt you and everything. Then I tell her, I command her, go through your phone right now and delete every single picture that we have together. Every single one, go do it right now. Go delete them from Instagram, go delete them from Facebook, every single one. And I do the exact same thing. My first ever relationship, the first ever woman that I pair bonded with, the first ever woman that I fell in love with is absolutely zero pictures of us together. And I wanted again to block her after this and to break up entirely, but feeling so fragile and so hurt pushed me towards her even more. And so this wasn't the end of the relationship. It literally carried on like this. And I, I'm telling you right now, there was a few more like instances of the exact same thing of like, you know, me asking about this guy or that guy or this moment or this. And she's adamant and telling me, yeah, no, 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 it's not like that. Not like that. Not like that. And I'm telling her like, this can't be one of the times that you lied because you lied to me before. And you said this exact thing before that you're not lying. So are you lying again? No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You prom you said that you had only slept with this guy once. Is that the truth? Yeah, only once. It was just this one time it was a mistake, it was a mistake, it was just one time. And then imagine literally a whole month later I'm again pressuring her, bullying her. I can tell that it wasn't just once. How, How many times was it? Don't lie to me. This if you lie to me again I'll I'll leave completely. And again, the exact same thing. She breaks down. Yeah, it-, it was loads of times. I slept with the guy that I was messaging whilst I was with you. Loads of times. Then my my obsessions about did you use a condom? And that's what I'm asking. Yes, yes, of course, every time, every time, every time. And then literally a month later, th- weeks later, I keep asking. Don't fucking lie to me. How many times of all the times that you slept with him, how many times did you not use a condom? All of them. I was an absolute wreck through these months when this was happening. And worst of all, the pain of this relationship, of this distrust, of this, it was causing me in a weird way to run towards her because she was my, my safety, my love at the same time. I was being hurt by the very woman that I couldn't stop running towards because we had formed an attachment. I didn't learn my lesson. I didn't know there was a lesson to be learned. And so a whole one year later, you know, this girlfriend's like gone and stuff. Okay, so we broke up and everything's you know back to normal and back to being single and stuff. And one year later, I fall in love with what goes on to be essentially my, my second girlfriend. And I still remember this one very particularly. In 2018 on Christmas day, Christmas day, we were going to spend Christmas together and I'm in her room in our student accommodation and she goes onto Facebook for whatever reason, like Facebook messenger, like this was back a little while ago, a few years ago when people used Facebook to message instead of like WhatsApp or whatever. And she goes onto Facebook messenger and my friend's name is there. I'm not even, I'm not lying to you. My friend's name is there. And that could have been fine. You know, it literally could have just been like, oh, Merry Christmas. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Whatever. And as soon as I see it, I say like, oh, what what has he messaged? I won't say his name, but what what did, what has he messaged you about? What have you guys spoke about? She literally does this. She sees that I saw that message and she goes, no, he's not. No, No, what are you talking about? She, I literally saw her in front of me, literally swipe and delete the message and then she's like fully, like, believing, she fully believed the fact that the message wasn't there to begin with. Now, any man of respect would just see that and be like, what the fuck, yeah, I'm leaving, what the, I'm like, we're done. But I wasn't a man who, who knew anything about life at this point. And so, you know, I'm probably shocked. I'm like angry, like emotional. Why did you do that? No. And she's like adamant. She's fully adamant to the point that, you know, like I can't help but to believe her a little bit, even though that's stupid. And like, she literally deleted a message from my friend. They were talking about who knows what. I never trusted her again. After this moment, this, this second girlfriend, right? And we were in 2018. I never trusted her again. I promise you, I never trusted her again. And I continued dating her for two years after this. We lived together for over a year. We literally got an apartment together. I couldn't trust her, I hated her, I resented her, I was so angry, and all of these negative emotions again pushed me towards the very woman who was causing them. Because there was something inside of me that needed to be healed. Now you could hear this story, and and lots of men will, and think, yeah, yeah, women women ain't shit, but I think as a masculine man, it's important that we take 100% responsibility, and we look at ourselves. How, in what way was I causing this stuff? How, in what way was I attracting like these kinds of women who were acting like this? And it comes down to something called attachment styles. And if you can understand attachment styles, you'll be able to avoid a lot of heartbreak that I personally went through. And I, my hope with this is that I've been through some very painful dating experiences that I can look back and almost be shocked at how I went through them without any level of knowledge. My hope is that you can learn from my mistakes so that you can save yourself from some pain and end up like surpassing me in your growth. So I want you to answer some questions right now so that we know this is relevant for you. There's just quickly there's three attachment styles and the one that I'm just going to teach you about is called the anxious attachment style. This whole video will just be about the anxious attachment style. Cause that's what I have So, answer these questions, right? Do you obsessively think about her even when you should focus on other things? Do you worry a lot that she could be cheating, lying, or hiding things behind your back? Maybe she's ready to leave you. Do you want to be as close as possible to her? To spend all day with her does it make you feel in some weird way safe to think like what if you just kept her around in your vision 24 7 so that she can't like do anything else does that make you like feel kind of safe and secure do you feel anxious when she doesn't text back fast enough and do you often like go a little bit of the craziness and end up looking at like the last online and trying to think, okay, what's she doing? Why is she so slow to reply? Who's she with right now? And you start to like, like create this mental movie, this story of, of catastrophic, like stop, like she's literally cheating on you and you'll see like last online. Wait, she was online when, when I sent my last, last message. So what's she doing? When there are some problems in the relationship, do you withdraw? Do you like, you know, detach away from her? Do you threaten to leave almost like how you used to pretend to run away from home when you were a kid. And it's not that you actually wanted to run away. It's not that you actually wanted to break up with her. It's more that you were using this almost as like a fake breakup, fake run away from home to see if they'll run after you because you wanted to confirm that they still care about you. This is one that I do personally a lot. Like the fake, like you you break up with them, but in hopes that they run after you to show that they care. Do you want to make them jealous or worried about you so that they'll pay more attention to you. If you can relate to a bunch of these questions, you might be anxiously attached just like I am. So I mentioned that this guide is going to be on attachment styles. And there's three attachment styles. And so your attachment style, we can say is kind of like your dating personality. And so once you can understand this, like there's three styles and like what they're about and you know how they cause you to act and think and feel, you'll know so much more about yourself, which is so valuable. The three styles that you can have are either secure, anxious, or avoidance. And the one that you have is pretty much entirely made up of how your parents loved you when you were a a child, a little baby, how your parents loved you forms your attachment style. If your parents gave you a very secure, healthy, stable love, there was no like anxiety in your home, no violence, no abuse. You would have the secure attachment style. If your parents were quite inconsistent, hostile, aggressive, violence, threatening, abusive, if you saw anxiety in the micro expressions of your mother when she feared the next beating from your father, if you saw the fear of your parents as they went through some turmoil, maybe a war in your country, maybe financial stress, if sometimes your parents weren't around to actually care for you, and so those moments you had to play up and act out and protest and throw your toys out of the uh, the pram, the cot to get their attention, You might be the anxious attachment style. This is one where you feel very insecure with the the love that you're receiving. And finally, if your parents were very distant, maybe they were very busy. Maybe they didn't respond to your needs and your cries. Maybe they listened to a lot of like modern day bullshit advice, which, you know, you've probably heard like some parents like let their children cry out. With, for the idea that, oh, if you always respond to their cries, like, they'll they'll learn to keep crying. That this is, like, modern day, like, evil parenting advice. You'll end up as avoidance. The three th- three styles, secure, anxious, and avoidance. We're going to focus on anxious. And this right now just sounds like, like, kind of, like, wishy-washy psychological stuff. But more and more research is coming about this and it shows that there's actually like a real physical changes depending on what style you have. So inside of us, we have a very complex nervous system. You have probably heard before atomic nervous systems, some atomic nervous system, right? And that controls a lot more of what we think and feel than we realize. And our nervous system is actually like formed and even influenced when we're children and through like the love that we go through as a early child. So your nerves are kind of like this evolutionary part of you that literally just cares about survival. And so inside of us, we have this, you know, very complex nervous system that's setting our lives up with feelings and thoughts. Like literally our thoughts and feelings are generated by our nerves. And it's constantly just make, just looking out to make sure that we're safe and that we're part of the tribe and that we can survive and that hopefully we can eventually go and reproduce. This is like the point of our lives. So our nervous system inside of us is constantly looking out to see if we are safe. And this is just because of evolution, because of course, you know, if we're looking around and we can see that we've, you know, the signs are there that we are safe then we're more likely to survive and reproduce. And so when our nervous system or whatever it is inside of us, kind of confirms that we are safe, that we are connected to other people that, you know, we have a tribe around us, which is, you know, safety in numbers. We have our needs met. We're not really hungry or thirsty You're deprived of oxygen. The nerves kind of relax and they push us into more of like a different relaxed state. And you've probably heard this is like a fight or flight state or a rest and digest state. And in this rest and digest state, that's also sometimes called the feed and breed stage, you, you relax, you breathe deeper. You're more present. You get literally less thoughts in your mind, your muscles relax. You literally look like warm and happy and receptive. And that's a positive feedback loop because when you are like that, these micro expressions that we wouldn't even really be conscious of, but like our, you know, our evolutionary caveman, primal nervous system can see this in each other. When you've got this relaxed nerve that you feel safe, other people will see it in you and they'll end up connecting with you because they feel happy and social to do so. And these nerves, apparently get regulated by our childhood experiences, our early, like literally baby, like when we were a baby with our mother, our nervous system starts to correlate and link up with hers. When, you know, imagine like literally, imagine how malleable you are as a newborn. When your mother looks down at you and she has like a happy, warm face and she's so receptive to your micro needs and she just, you know, somehow is like a good mother who's attuned to you and she knows that one particular cry means that you've shit yourself and another cry means that you're hungry and another cry means that you're warm. You know, some mothers can pick up on this. She will react to you in a way that soothes all of these issues and you start to pair bond with her in a beautiful way. But if you see your mother's anxious face, those micro expressions. If as a little baby, you looked up at your mother and you saw her like darting her eyes around watching her back and you saw the worried look on her face and you saw that sometimes she was slow to come and give you what you needed because she was too busy getting beaten by your father because she was too busy out in the workplace through the abuse of feminism you may develop a nervous system that becomes hyper-vigilant, that's constantly thinking that I might not get my needs fulfilled. And this can change your nervous system for life if you don't actually go on to improve it. Just this early experience that you had as a baby If you haven't specifically thought of these things before if you haven't read like a book on attachment systems chances are you still have kind of like the messed up hyper vigilant nervous system that was developed as a baby and for most people including myself genuinely we've not went through like a period of our self-improvement thinking about our nervous system So whilst this seems like quite dark and hopeless, like there's actually hope for this because 100%, I am adamant that we can actually make huge progress here. Simply, we just need to do the work like we've known with fitness and everything else. We just need to do the work and we just haven't really, you know, considered that we need to think about yet another thing of like improving our nervous system. And so if you become anxiously attached, that same nervous system, it's like it's in hyperdrive, it's like it's ultra sensitive as it was as a baby. It's like it, it, it knows it's got the, you know, the structure, the neural atomic structure of one where you as a baby weren't even sure if your needs would be met. And so now you're constantly acting like that, even as an adult, it's quite catastrophic and it's constantly looking out for more assurance that you actually should need. Like we said, when you see that assurance, when, you know, it puts you in that calm state, when you see someone else in the calm, loving state, even as an adult, you'll get this feeling of reassurance and you'll calm down and you'll smile and you'll feel warm. But if your nervous system does get triggered by potential danger, like, for example, you look at your family, even as an adult, and you see their cold, unreceptive, anxious, angry faces and maybe you don't see anyone really happy or warm around you, you'll go into the opposite mode than what we talked about before. Before, you know, when there's positive, warm, happy, loving, safe people around you, you you relax, you literally, your micro facial expressions relax in a way that makes people more receptive to you, your thoughts clear up and everything. But with this, when you're in the anxious mode and then you're further confirmed by the people around you that you should be anxious because they are, because they're violence, because they're abusive, because they're anxious, because your mother's still anxious, because your father's still stressed. It will put you into the opposite mode where you will breathe faster and you'll have more anxious thoughts and more like this just reoccurring thoughts in your mind. You'll have social anxiety of thinking, will I be accepted? What will they think of me? Am I walking weird? What do I do with my hands? You'll have these like stupid thoughts in your brain. What should I say next? I don't know what to say in a conversation all of your muscles will tense, your shallow breathing, you'll cave your body inwards, you won't breathe like as a masculine man is supposed to down his front and deep into his belly. And worst of all then, when you're in this hyper vigilant state, it makes it extremely hard for someone else to connect with you and to calm you down. Because if you can imagine yourself from a third person's perspective, when you're in this anxious state, this hyper overdrive state, honestly, you don't look like a good person to, to be around. Other people are going to kind of see these like random micro expressions, your body language, things that you're not even aware of. The fact that you're overthinking, but you think that, you know, people can't see your thoughts. People can see if you're thinking some weird shit, bro, it it, it appears in your body language. Then someone else who is warm, happy and loving, who could have like, you know, spent time with you and kind of calmed you down and you see their warm face that would have helped. Well, they're going to see it and actually not feel compelled to come towards you. And now you're the lonely kid in the corridor. You're the one who feels awkward eating his lunch by himself. Now you're the guy who spends all day in his bedroom, just working away and not really connecting to anyone else, which is the saddest experience of the human existence. We need someone. If you want to know, like the way out of this, this is genuinely a lifelong curse, unless you don't fix it. It's something that we've never really thought about before. Like what our micro expressions from our nervous system are causing that I may be like, you know, we know about anxiety, okay. Anxious thoughts and stuff, but this is the weird concept, right? This is very like deep compared to the things we've thought about. This is genuinely a lifelong curse. And it will never go away unless you actually do something actively to fix it. And there's a lot of things we'll talk about today, but I want to give you the simple answer right now, which is hard to achieve, but it's quite simple in like what we need to do. There's no woo-woo practices or anything. The single greatest thing for your anxious attachment style is to find someone who loves you so much and so relentlessly and fearlessly. And so compassionately that their love will penetrate through all of like your anxious nervous system, that they will see you sometimes in your anxious states, in your hyperdrive neurotic states. And they love you so much that they'll still come up to you and, and embrace you and, and make you feel warm and loved and secure. And this person who's secure in their own way, who's predictable in, in a beautiful way, will continuously just keep coming back to you every single time you need it, just to kind of like... You know, they don't even need to say anything, just the way that they, they hold you and that they look at you and they talk to you, which will just calm down your nervous system. That's what we need. You need at least one person in your life who can do that for you. And I'm so sorry if you don't have one just yet. that experience of another person coming in and essentially like saving you from yourself is called co-regulation, co-regulation. And it is the single greatest gift in my belief that we could give to one another. You know, research shows us that when you give money to people, like it doesn't actually help them. That a lot of things that we do for each other doesn't actually like help each other. A lot of experiences that we have don't actually matter. But I think this weird thing called co-regulation, which is when we develop ourselves to be quite warm and secure and trustable and loving and compassionate. And then we can find someone who doesn't really feel like that maybe because of childhood experiences. And we can just relentlessly just keep giving them the love that they need so that they can feel like regulated and a part of the tribe. There's a study that i found interesting about this it was from the university of illinois illinois i don't know university some university i don't know (laughs) and they played a kind of like a movie of like a face that morphs using you know cgi or something into an expression of anger or you know some kind of emotional expression so the face starts like normal just blank and then it goes slowly like morphs in to anger over a few seconds and participants are just asked to kind of like press a buzzer or you know kind of say when they realize okay it's it's changing faces people with an anxious attachment style they jumped to conclusions they answered way faster but oftentimes they were wrong so what it is if you've got an anxious attachment style you're just more jumpy you're more sensitive to like social, micro social cues, right? You know, it's something obvious is like, you know, someone literally coming at you and punching you or someone shouting at you. That's a huge thing. And that's obvious. And everyone kind of gets that right. If someone literally is being aggressive towards you, almost no one is wrong in their interpretation for that aggression. You, you No matter what language you speak, no matter, even if you have a learning disability, you, we know what aggressive faces look like. But... For the micro expressions of like you know the small changes in someone's face this is what anxious attachment style people they pick up on usually wrongly because we since we're so sensitive and, we're, you know, our t- nervous system is in overdrive, constantly looking out. It's like we'll pick up on the smallest things too early. And often we'll start to feed into the narrative. Like, you know, we'll see this mental, mo- this, this movie of this face getting angry. And from the start, we'll think, yeah, it's angry. It's angry. It's, it's angry at me. I've got to protect myself. It's angry at me because of this thing. But I'm angry at, at him because he did this thing last year. And like, you know, like we, we jump into this and suddenly we're in this deep mental, like this, this feedback loop from hell where we've jumped to conclusions. And then we start to feed it in. Interestingly, the study did like a second study afterwards where they made the anxious attachment people actually wait longer before they could say like what emotion it was going to. So it's like, you'd see it, but you had to essentially go slow and be patient before you could make your analysis. And when they did that, anxious attachment people were the the best at uh, answering the question essentially. So it's like, this is our our negative and positive is that often we'll jump to conclusions as soon as we see the micro expression in someone's face or you know the energy or just how we're feeling and that's a bad thing because often we're wrong but if we take our time and we're patient and you know we don't indulge in the the first thoughts that comes to mind and we try to just like you know we try to use a bit more consciousness a bit more of like the human brain instead of the monkey brain That's when we're actually better at interpreting how other people are feeling than every other kind of person. Like anxious attachment people are usually very empathetic. You've probably seen this yourself. You are usually like very empathetic. You can feel someone else's pain. When you saw that kid getting bullied, you genuinely felt like the pain for him. Maybe you didn't help him. You didn't have the confidence to, and you didn't want to risk being bullied yourself. But you feel other people's pain a lot more than maybe you've got some other friends who, you know, they heard some like bad news and you were there like visualizing it and feeling the pain with your friends just like, ignored it or something. There is hope for us because of something called neuroplasticity. You've probably heard of this, this word before. It's quite like a, a new term that a bunch of scientists are talking about. Neuroplasticity. And essentially what it means is that our brain can keep making new patterns and essentially just keep learning for the rest of our lives. This is somewhat new to realize, but like a hundred years ago, people thought your brain just kind of stopped learning and, and forming new ideas and everything at like age 25. Like a lot of people just had that like limiting belief. These days, we genuinely know it's common sense now, but it's like your brain can keep learning and forming new neural pathways and attachments and everything. So essentially like if we start to train ourselves to be securely attached, the neuroplasticity neurons, whatever, will start to form that eventually we will actually have like this pathway that our brain will start to follow like it'll be hard at first it's kind of like um clearing your driveway of snow we don't really do that in the uk but imagine you've got to clear your driveway of snow the first time you do is really hard but then after that you can keep using the same pathway and, and the more you use it the easier it is the, the issue is we've used the pathway of anxiety for most of our lives and so it's very easy and natural to go there but we can start to create the pathway of secure healthy attachments And the more that we do that, the more that we think about it, the more that we obsess over it, the more that we have the opportunities to, the more that we remember it, the more that we actually do it and we commit ourselves to it. And then we, you know, we experience some kind of discomfort by doing it and some pain and some sacrifice, the more easier it will be. So we just mostly need to be around someone who's trustable, secure, loving, and warm. And there's a bunch of other things that we need to do. But it starts with actually being around other people. I've looked online for a lot of advice on this topic. And, you know, there's people who say, oh, you can breathe like this and you can read, you can do this and take by my course and do this and do this. I'll be honest with you. I don't actually think any of that works. As someone who's looked into this stuff for the last, like I've made, I've waited about one and a half years to make this video for you. I'm telling you right now that one day with the right kind of person who is loving and secure and and who makes you feel like you can be honest with them. One day with a person like that is worth reading 50 books on this topic. It's not even close. What we need is other people. This issue was caused because of other people, you know, our parents, our mother, our primary caregiver, and it will be resolved with other people. I don't think this is something that you can do alone. Right now, you might be a bit annoyed by that because you might not have anyone in your life to do this with, but I think the first stage is, is education and awareness and understanding as we are now. And it'd be so valuable for you to kind of, you know, learn this today and just kind of, you know, know what, what you've learned today, keep it in mind, maybe journal about it. And, and just when you end up getting into a relationship, when you end up meeting like the, the friend who could be this like warm, safe person for you, you'll then know what's happening why you feel so good and so calm and so peaceful around some people and why you don't and why you feel so anxious around others the first stage is understanding and education so when we are around other people our nervous system is just constantly analyzing what's happening and it's constantly just asking am i safe will they betray me Will they kick me out of the tribe? In the modern day, I don't think we think enough about like our primal tendencies. Our natural tendencies. I don't think our brain, our body. Scratch that. I don't think our brain and nervous system, our body has. But that's something else interesting, which is uh, our brain and our nervous system hasn't actually evolved for a long time. We pretty much still have the same brain and nervous system as our caveman ancestors. And they were thinking about the tribe. They were like, you know, imagine like a cave woman. She's got to feel a little bit anxious and got to be looking out to make sure that the caveman's not going to leave her because it genuinely means death. Otherwise, in the modern day, if you and your friend stop being friends, it doesn't mean death anymore. It doesn't mean that you're going to starve anymore, but it feels like that. Like, you know, a modern day breakup is hugely painful, but it doesn't actually affect your life as much as like it used to. You know, a breakup like 10,000 years ago probably meant that you weren't going to reproduce. It probably meant if you were a woman that you were going to die now, you're going to be left alone. These days, it doesn't actually like equate to anything. You can go find a new partner in like five minutes on Tinder. And yet it's entirely painful because we still have the same brain. And so this part of us, this brain and this neuro, neuro circuit inside our nerves is constantly just wanting to make sure that we're part of the tribe. And so when we're with other people who have those small micro expressions who are so warm and trusting, we feel like we're part of the tribe and we calm down and we start to contribute. We start to feel happy and social and everything. And, And this is such a beautiful experience and almost no one has that these days because we don't have tribes these days. Most people don't even have friends. Literally, like like on average, most people literally have one or two friends. And often they're not even like actually good friends with those people. They're not actually like even close with them. If you can't tell your friend that you feel anxious, if you can't hug your friend, they're not actually your friend. They're just people that you play video games with. When you do meet that person who is good for you, let's say in a dating sense, because this most comes out in dating, right? Attachment styles can somewhat work it with friendship, but mostly this is all about like romantic love when you become an adult. That's when it's most chaotic as well. That's when it's most problematic. So that's something we got, we're going to focus on now. When you do meet the person who is warm and safe and, and trustworthy, you feel at yourself. Those negative thoughts, those anxious thoughts go away and it's like you walk through the world with a smile on your face. But of course with with relationships and you know the dynamic of just having another person in your life, things can happen like negative things and conflicts and, and distance can occur. So I want you to imagine right now that you have this anxious attachment style and you get into a relationship with a girl who, you know, it's, it's really hype, you've been dating and everything. There'll be a moment where you feel a little bit anxious for whatever reason. Maybe you can't even acknowledge that it's, you know, this anxious detachment style. And the number one thing that you'll want to do with the first instance of feeling anxious is that you'll want to get close to your partner. You'll want to get close to someone else and get reassurance from their micro expressions, their body language, from their like warm, compassionate love, that you're still loved, that you're still safe. This is the first thing that you'll want. Wanting this is called activating strategies. So this is when you activate your anxious attachment style and you just want to like feel the love again because you don't feel totally safe. When you've got an anxious attachment style, you'll you'll go through this a lot more and a lot faster than people who have got like a secure style. And so there's a few things that will be quite normal, which is like you'll think about them. You'll miss them. You'll remember only their good qualities and you'll think that they're the one and you'll, you know, get so many memories and everything. And this is you like yearning for closeness, yearning for attachment, yearning just for the reassurance that you're still safe and loved. And so if your partner, when you feel this, and hopefully you're able to communicate it it with them, which is one of the largest parts about this anxious attachment, people aren't usually good at communicating this, but let's say, you know, you have, if your partner then responds with what you needed, which was just love and reassurance then it's like you calm back down. Your anxious attachment system's been deactivated and you just kind of like calm back down. You feel really good and you can go focus on work. You can go focus on everything else. But if, for example, they're not really there for you, they're busy at work, she's busy, she's not replying or something, and she um, she might find it a bit weird that you need this, a bit sad, a bit lame, or she might not want to give this to you. She might be, feel a bit distant herself. That's when I'll get a little bit more triggered so if this activating strategy doesn't work, you become a lot more worried than before. Before it was like, you know, you yearned for closeness. If you try to get that closeness and your partner doesn't really give it to you, and you can replace like partner for a friend or family or whatever, but you know, this is mostly in a dating sense. You may go into what's called protest behavior. So protest behavior is what we do when our activating strategy like doesn't work. So protest behavior we do when we wanted to get closer, but they don't actually seem to like want to get closer to us. So suddenly it's like, oh shit, like we're actually like out there in the wild by ourselves now. We still assure that they still probably do love us, but now we can no longer rationally and objectively look at the situation. Now we are entirely emotional. And you might believe that you're some masculine man, stoic man, men. Masculine men aren't emotional. You might believe this, but trust me. At this point, when you, when you genuinely like your your nervous system and your brain thinks that you might be getting banished from the tribe, the most masculine man, the most stoic man, is emotional at this point. So you start to lose trust in the other person because you start to feel like they're making you anxious and you start to obsessively think about them and these now what you do is often like harmful acts to try and re-establish some connection your your past you know being level-headed and speaking to them and just telling them the truth that you know you need some reassurance that seems really sad to you now that seems really scary and you can't imagine that now you're doing toxic shit for me personally at this point, you know, when I really, really need that level of closeness and obviously like, you know, we've done this before without actually having these thoughts in our mind, we've just kind of like done it for some reason, you know, you just almost automatically act how your childhood has made you act as an adult. Honestly, most people are quite AFK, like they're just playing the game on like automation mode. And so for me, my, my protest behavior is often about withdrawing. So when there's like issues in a relationship and I want to get closer to her, but it doesn't seem like she wants to, or I don't even have the confidence to kind of tell her or the, you know, the honesty or authenticity to tell her that I want to get closer to her because I don't think she'll understand or whatever, she'll think it's gay or, you know what I mean? I'll start to withdraw. So whilst I love her dearly, I'll literally start to message her less and reply to her messages less. And I won't pick up the, the phone if she calls me and I'll just, you know, I'll have this thing in my mind of like, yeah, you know, fuck fuck her and everything. Yeah, I'm just going to go to the gym and like get a pump and like, you know, I'll just go speak to more other girls and everything. I'm essentially like running away. Just like I used to run away as a kid. It wasn't that I actually wanted to run away and start a new life out in the woods in the park nearby. It was that I was running away whilst like looking back to see if my parents were running after me. And even if they were angry... Just knowing that they were running after me was, was what I needed. And so when this gets to an extreme level for me, I start to almost like like break up with her, with the person I'm dating, but not actually mean it, but I kind of tell her like out of aggression that I'm breaking up with her. But then I'll literally stay there hoping that she argues and she fights for it. It's toxic as fuck, right? This isn't a good thing, of course, but I'm just telling you a tendency that I've noticed in myself. And the reason why we do this, we're throwing our toys out of the pram just to see if, if mummy's going to come in and look at us now. Sometimes like, you know, we, because this is genuinely what probably happened as a baby is like our need for love and closeness wasn't met. We were crying and our mum ignored it. Sometimes she'd come in and help us and other times she wouldn't. And so we kind of learned from, from being a baby that if we really cried really aggressively, or if we like shit ourselves everywhere if we you know threw our toys out of the pram that's when mummy would come and she'd be angry but it's like okay but she's here now you know like if she's here that means she loves me and so it's like a toxic behavior that we probably learned from from early childhood and we just do the adult equivalent of that which is just texting them or or not texting them at, at all and just withdrawing for others other people with anxious attachment style it's like Maybe being more aggressive or blowing up someone's phone and, you know, like when you've really approached protesting, you're like, you know, probably aggressively typing and sending them loads of messages. I do the opposite. I just stop replying at all. Maybe you're keeping score at how and you're looking at how long it took them to reply to you. Now you're going to double that. You know, this will get them back. You're trying to like one up them. You're trying to, you know, tit for tat, tat them. You're trying to make them jealous. Maybe you act hostile and, and aggressive and you don't actually do these things because you're a bad person. You don't do these things because you don't love them. You literally do these things because you love that person and you want their attention, but you don't know the healthy way to go about doing that because this is what worked as a baby with our mothers and fathers. So far, this seems very like hopeless and you might be a little bit triggered by watching this. You might feel like actually quite negative and you might be getting like a bunch of emotions inside of you. And if you are, we can, we can take a deep breath together. Just follow my hand here. Yeah. Inhale. Exhale. On the next breath, really force it into your stomach. And on this final breath, just really make it loud. It doesn't even matter if anyone hears you. (sighs) Just remember that this is something that we're going through together. I think, you know, the beautiful thing that I see about the work that I do is that I don't see myself as like a normal teacher that I used to have in school, you know, the overworked teacher who just has to follow the curriculum or anything. I'm simply a student who's, I'm just following my own interests and my own self-improvement and then I'm, every time I make a video, it's literally just to teach you what I've recently learned. And so genuinely like, we're actually going through the same thing. So trust me, like that feeling you feel inside of you right now, I've had it for the past few weeks. It's on and off because like the more, I'll I'll tell you this, right? The more that you look into this stuff, like you're you're watching this video, you're going to see this concept of attachment styles, anxious attachment style everywhere now. You're going to feel it, everything. But if you don't really put in the work for this and if you stop kind of learning about this, you'll find that, you know, within a few days or a week, you stop thinking about this and just whatever. You know, you made a little bit of progress. You're going to act like a little bit more secure or something and that's it. And it'll just like drop off your mind. Like, you know, like literally an hour before this video, you weren't sat there thinking about anxious attachment style or, or childhood wounds or anything, were you, right? And so it's happened to me before where I'll be reading a book on this topic. Which I'll tell you some books in a, in a second, but I'll be reading a book on this topic and I'll start to go through like the flood of emotions and realizations and memories of like how it's relevant just recently. And it's not that, you know, it's just now relevant. It's that this stuff has been relevant literally 24-7 for us, but it's just that we weren't really aware of it. So I urge you that even though you feel uncomfortable right now, you see this like, you know, this horrible feeling that you have inside of you right now. See that as similar to the muscle soreness that you get after you hit like a really good workout. Like this is the feeling of growth. And I promise you that, you know, the first time a beginner goes to the gym, sometimes the soreness they get is brutal. And sometimes the second time they go like they can't even imagine still doing it because it's so brutally sore Like my chest used to get so sore when I first started going to the gym But then after two three weeks, it's like it's just there you don't really get any more You don't really get sore anymore. You only really get sore when you stop doing it and then you start again So you're sore, you know in the equivalent right now Just don't stop training this muscle Just keep something like this in mind because this I promise you from all of the research I've ever looked into from all the communities I've ever been in the red pill and everything like that. I'm telling you that what we're discussing today is genuinely the path the the real path to success when it comes to relationships. Honestly, if you've watched my videos for a while, you know, that I was literally, I turned into a man because of the red pill when I was 17 years old and I was like in that community. And if I'm telling you right now that this is pretty much better than the red pill, you should probably take this quite seriously. I don't, do not say that lightly. The red pill was a community for me. It was on Reddit, like this subreddit, like, you know, this forum page that I genuinely spent every single day for years committing myself to, and it changed my life forever. I am only here today because of that community. And if I'm telling you that this, what we're talking about here is actually more important than what we learned in the red pill, take it seriously. And there's gonna be a point when I had a paradigm shift and you will too, when you realize that this is literally the way to like a long-term, happy, loving relationship. And we may have been led astray in some areas. One thing I just, it'd be really valuable for you to think about and acknowledge is that often we, we live a life where we are quite AFK. Like we're just living, you know, the automated life where we're not, um, we're not very conscious of our decisions. And so, so far, just before you watch this video, you thought you were acting with like, with intention and, you know, autonomy with control of your life, but you're probably able to relate, you know, so far, you've probably had some memories where you've been like the anxious attachment style person in a relationship without even knowing that this was a thing. So I think it's just valuable for you to know, like, you can act and be a certain kind of person without knowing that you're only like that because of your childhood experiences. It's just something interesting to think, like, we're not as as in control of our actions and emotions and stuff as we think we are. Because every few months, you're probably uncovering, like, some deep-rooted stuff in you like, you know, psychological trauma and all this. And you're realizing how much of that has shaped your, your adult experiences that you had no idea of. And this is just one, one more of those things. And again, it's, it's very hard to go down this path, but so much growth comes from this. So when you start dating as an adult, and now you've started to think about attachment styles, You look online for dating advice and most dating advice, including pretty much all of the videos that I've made may actually lead you astray, especially if you're a young man, especially if you're, you're, you're in this space where you're watching my videos. And you you know, you probably, you probably know what the red pill is, or you've heard of it. You probably watch like Andrew Tate and everything. Most of that dating advice will actually lead you astray if your goal is to get into like a loving relationship. Because most of the dating advice online focuses on only one thing, which is just attraction. The top seven ways to get girls. Here's how to text a girl to to make her more likely to to reply back to you. The issue with this kind of content, which I have literally produced hundreds of videos like that, is that it will make you more successful at getting a more quantity of girls. Like literally the way to get the most girls is for you to act avoidant, for you to act, you know, distance, to not reply to her messages, to even act like a bit of an asshole and everything, and you know, to be on Tinder and... and you'll, you'll meet a woman faster. You'll have sex with more women if you follow this advice of like, you know, the the normal advice online. But every guy's giving this advice of like, yeah, like act like the chad and everything, right? But an issue with that. Is that you're not actually being who you truly are. And so you start to attract the kind of women who aren't even into the real you. I know this sounds like a meme, but the advice of like, just be yourself when it comes to dating, it's like you eventually, once you've like improved yourself so much and you've like experienced so much of life, you realize that that's actually the most based advice out there. Now, do not be content with being lazy. As a young man, you should be ambitious. You should be working very hard to goals, right? You should not be content with being broke or being unsuccessful. You should strive for more. It's the masculine desire for more, always do that. But when it comes to then essentially cashing out who you are in the dating market, acting like more of a Chad and taking a longer time to reply to her messages than you actually wanted to. And like not meeting her again for a little while because it's gonna make you look cooler. These tactics that you have seen in every single online video, in my videos, in other self-improvement creator videos, in red pill videos from Andrew Tate, all of this advice is actually gonna lead you astray because it's making you pretend that you're someone that you're not. In a real relationship, if you want like an actual loving, secure relationship where this woman will actually just fully carve your, calm your nervous system down to the point that you f- forget that you have this anxious attachment style, it comes honestly from just being 100% genuine and authentic and real to who you are. Again, a quick disclaimer, this does not mean that you should be fine with being a chump, being broke. You should set big goals. You should aim to make a fortune. You should aim to build a a physique that you're really proud of. But when it comes to what you want from love and a relationship, you should be 100% honest with that. Oftentimes in the modern day, it's so cool to act like you're you're cold to the other person. Like, I, like I'm like. i from the UK, and so the dating scene here is very cold. It's, it's a race to the bottom of who can care less about the other person. It's a race that who can be less emotionally invested. And guess what? You know, I thought all these negative things, and I realized, well, that's because I'm playing that game too. Most people are playing this game where they're, like, too cool to attach and, and, and to... Build a real connection with each other and so people like me like previous me I'll go and use tinder and stuff and I'll post like a fuck boy picture and I'll get like a lot of matches from doing that and I'll meet girls and I literally won't message them after I've slept with them and, and knowing that that makes them even more into me And that now I've got them and this is like the, the the area of control And eventually you fall in love with one of these girls that you've been acting like this And then she makes you anxious because you're no longer like, you know Feeling secure with the kind of girl who was who was hooking up with guys from tinder who was matching guys who were showing their abs and stuff. And and you can't be honest with her now. When it comes to dating, to get into a real long-term secure relationship, you should be who you are 100% honestly, honestly from the start, which is sounds so just different from the advice that you've heard. If you just follow along with me, I'm sure that I'll, I'll give you some more like bits of understanding. If... She's unattracted to this 100% real version of you. Cause there's going to be a lot of women that you meet. And if you started to say like, oh yeah, you know, like sometimes I feel a bit anxious and I want like lots of reassurance in a relationship. I want a close relationship. We couldn't even imagine being that honest a relationship. Cause it just seems like sad. It seems like unattractive that girls are going to hear that. Like you can imagine some like party girl thinking that oh, that's just weird. Cause she's used to fucking guys who leave her on red after they've had sex. That's why like so if you're scared of unattracting the kind of girl who's on Tinder all the time, who's who's going like fucking guys that she meets on like nightclubs and stuff, by you being honest about the kind of person that you actually are, that you want like a strong, stable relationship. You want a woman who is your peace, you want a woman who is the wind on your back whilst you achieve massive goals. And a girl thinks that's like, you know, weird and she ends up not speaking to you anymore. And then you're like, oh, damn, see, how advice didn't work. If I just acted like, like a, like a Chad and I just acted really cold towards her, then she would have been into me. Well, yeah, she would have slept with you, but bro, she, those type of girls are sleeping with everyone else. We, like, I used to think that that was like the success of the dating market was just sleeping with the kind of girls who were on Tinder and, and nightclubs. And you realize, bro, that's like level one. Like, that more ambitious thing is to get, like, a really high-quality woman who literally, like, makes you more productive, who makes you more successful. That level one is just sleeping with some girl who's sleeping with other guys. It's like, that. it's not hard to do. There's a lot of guys who still want to get to this level and they struggle and stuff. And they're watching all these dating videos that I've made personally. But this level's not hard to to achieve. If you're an ambitious guy, you should want something more than this. This is just sex. But it's like, it's sex with the worst kind of people. Because these people are literally brain dead. And like, she's already pair bonded with 50 guys in the last like two years. And so have you. So you break your soul. The, the more ambitious thing is, is you want a high quality woman who you still have awesome or even better sex with anyway, be more ambitious than the entry level shit of just trying to attract as many girls as possible. And a lot of them are just low quality that they, they, you can attract some hot girls and they're literally not good to be around because if she's hot and you've, in, and you've brought her into your life and you've slept with her, it feels awesome until you see the reality of it is like, okay, you're trying, then eventually you fall for her a little bit. And then you feel anxious about her because she still goes out to parties, because she still has those old friends, because she's still texting the same guys that she used to fuck, that she might be still fucking. It's like, so to lose, to sacrifice these girls who would find it cringe for you to like, you know, open, openly communicate what you want out of a relationship, to sacrifice these girls is, it's a valuable sacrifice Because if you eventually want to get into a relationship, but you start it on this, this fake level of you acting like more of a Chad and cold and like like you know, not saying how much you actually like her because that's uncool, it will drive you insane when you finally get into a relationship with her and you realize that she's not even attracted to the real you because you never showed her the real you in the first place. Men who are anxiously attached we're usually terrible at getting into relationships because we're quite needy and everything. And that's why men like us, we often do go really deep into the dating advice and red pill community online. And we're following all these guys who are saying this advice and you know, we end up being led astray without realizing it because the first step of following this advice is that you actually get more girls, you actually have more sex and you're like, yes, finally, this is awesome. But just wait up until you fall in love with one of these girls and you realize only when it's too late that she's literally not even attracted to the real you. She was attracted to that, like, fake persona that you put on. And you you also realize that you're not even attracted to her. But, you know, when you have sex with a bunch of times, like, the, the bond does, does start to form. If you don't act 100% honest, you'll end up attracting a girl who's not even attracted to your real pers- personality. Acknowledge that you want closeness. So in the modern dating game, which is a game that people play, it's like this game to be less invested into each other, to be more avoidant than the other person. That makes you more desirable to a lot of women, but all of those women are lower quality. And by playing the game, you're also proving to everyone that you're low quality. And this is the most interesting part. I promise you this. This is something that none of the Red Pill guys will ever say. By playing this game of pretending to be like the avoidant cold guy, the aloof guy who takes a while to reply and everything, you will actually unattract the high quality women who are securely attached and they want someone who's on the same page as them like the secure healthy women will literally like start talking about like long term relationship they'll ask you if you want kids and stuff on the first date if they're even single to begin with, like, you know, the secure women, literally, they're not, they're usually not, like, sometimes they do go on to dating apps. It's just, like, you know, people say, like, oh, you'll never meet a good woman on, on dating apps. I slightly disagree because I do think that pretty much most people use dating apps these days, even include, I can imagine, like a, like, a good woman, let's say she's literally only ever had, like, one boyfriend before. I can imagine that she still ends up downloading, like, Bumble, just that, you know, because it's, like, some of her friends have mentioned it, she's heard about it, and it's just like, yeah, you know, and she's just kind of seeing it. I can imagine that same woman is getting a bunch of messages, but she's not actually like meeting those guys that's the you know the most important thing but if you play this game of pretending to be like this avoidance personality instead of showing that you are you know you're you're like you're a guy who wants a lot of closeness and security and reassurance and consistent predictable safe love we're afraid of showing that because we know that a lot of girls would be absolutely like revolted by it And we're afraid of losing those girls because often we attach some level of ego and validation and worthiness to attracting as many girls as possible. But those girls who aren't attracted to that real version of us, good riddance, we were never compatible with them in the first place. Trust me when I say that you do not want to get closer, even just have sex with a girl who isn't compatible with you. It's a shit experience. And if you've slept around or dated around, you know this yourself. I'll continue on this point for some parts of this video, but I just want to wrap this little part up of just like, just be authentic. Again, this does not mean, I need to say this because I know for a fact some people are going to say, like, oh, I'm just turned blue pill. I'm not blue pill. This, oh, I'm like... This is not an excuse for you to be a Jeffrey and to be lazy. You should still be an incredibly high value man, but when it comes to what you want from a relationship, be totally honest and think to yourself, yeah, you know what? I feel quite like, honestly, like if, just say it to yourself, no one else. Right. I honestly do feel quite anxious. If I, if I date a girl who goes to a lot of parties, I would feel kind of anxious and, and like weird. Like I'd be scared that she's probably hooking up with guys. And even if she's not even fully cheating, she's probably getting guys like flirting with her. And she's probably like laughing and enjoying herself with other guys. I don't want that. Have the honesty to just say that. I think that this is the more confident thing to do. And again, there's going to be men and women who who look at us being honest here and think that this is cringe or uncomfortable, but fuck them. They're, they're all the ones who are genuinely like broken to begin with the, the the avoidant style people who think it's like, you know, they get into a relationship and literally don't even like each other. What is the point of that? If you're, if you're watching this now and you're kind of uninterested and you're thinking, oh, but like, you know, Bahams is saying, if I do this other thing, I could have more sex with girls, but I'd probably just do that because I, I just want to have sex. There's a video that I've just recently posted to this channel, which you might be interested in, which is called reject degeneracy and embrace God. Just maybe consider that if you're like watching this right now and you're thinking, oh, but like, I just want to do whatever's going to get me laid as fast as possible. Consider that if you're watching this now, I'm assuming that you actually are beginning to realize the value of having like like essentially like a wife, like a really good, and I'm not talking like, you know, oftentimes in the, the red pill again, it's like, yeah, don't marry, you know, women are all thoughts and stuff. The thing is, well, yes, for you, you're the, the men that you hear who are saying like, oh yeah, women are all low quality. It's like, well, yeah, because you're the low quality guy. You're the guy acting avoidant. You're the guy acting like a fuck boy. You're the guy acting like with this cold sense that now you're only attracting the broken women who are attracted to that version of you. The thing is, one hundred percent, the foundation is developing yourself as a man. You should become very wealthy, you should become successful and fit and attractive and everything right You should be very confident and have like an awesome business or career and purpose and everything right these are These are like absolutely non negotiables no matter what what like dating method you want to follow. but then after that, the issue with the red pill degenerate mode is that you start to believe that the women are, are are all shit and degenerate and everything because you're attracting those women because you are that kind of guy because you're cold, because you're aloof, because you're not honest. Because when there is a girl who's honest to you, like they were to me years ago, who says that they want to get into a relationship first before they want to have sex, I'm looking at them as if they're weird because that's, that's weird for me. And so she's out of my mind and I'm starting to attach more to girls who I'm sleeping with on the first day that I see them. And we're both playing this game. We both met in a nightclub. And now I think all women are shit. Because I met her, I've met every girl in a nightclub before. No, it's not that all women are shit. It's that you and the women that you date are shit because you're shit. Build yourself up to be such an incredible man, high value man. But then think to yourself, okay, what is the most ambitious I could be for the kind of dating life that I want? And it would be to have like your absolute 10 out of 10 supportive wife. Or even wives. And the thing is, one extra point I need to say is like, bro you're going to have literally a better sex life with this woman. Like the sex that you have with a woman that you actually love and that you've built this level of like this huge level, this depth of love is incomparable. So, some things that I'm learning from this book, the way of the superior man, it's like we're literally like when, when you hook up with a random girl, because you've used some red pill tactic and you've attracted her from Tinder and you've been acting like this, this like, you know, this cold guy, even though you're actually kind of anxious and, and a little bit insecure, the sex that you have with these random women is is usually kind of shit honestly but you can level up like like that's like level one sex bro you can get to like a level hundred which becomes like some weird spiritual experience where you start to feel God and everything like there's levels to this shit and you're not gonna get that with some random girl that you don't trust that you can't open your heart to. So if you you know, if you're somewhat on the line right now and you, you, you know, that it feels kind of weird to take a step back from the tactics of not being honest with what your attachment style is like, because you know that you'll get more girls if you act in a certain cold aloof way and you don't, you know, you're not honest with that. You're, you want a lot of closeness and security in a relationship. Just know that you're probably doing that just for sex and you genuinely will have a much better sex life if you actually follow this advice. Start with authenticity, improve yourself, you know, build yourself up, but don't use tactics in your, in your pursuit to find a girl to hide who you are and how you actually feel. If you start to date a girl and you feel quite anxious with her, it could be because that's the type of girl she is, but most likely it's just because you've got an anxious attachment style. So what if you're just honest? What if you just tell her this? Which seems scary, but her response to it—if she gets unattracted to you and she, you know, she thinks that's a bad thing—it's like then you weren't compatible with her in the first place. For the the woman that you want, like the high quality wife material woman, you're gonna need to show her all sides of you, and you're gonna like you're, you're gonna need to see all sides of her. It's just how it works. Otherwise, you won't have the real level of trust and like that bonding experience. You can't use these these dating tactics that you see online because if you do. The girl will get attracted to a different person and eventually you'll have to show your real self to them and they won't be attracted to the real you. So if you start with authenticity from the first date, the first conversation, You'll start to, you will have the power to start to rule out girls who aren't compatible with you. And suddenly you, like, you know, just right now, we're peeling back the layer of understanding that this is what going on a date is supposed to be about. So far, we literally, we go on a date because we know that there's like a 15 or 20 or 50% chance that we'll end up sleeping with her and that's the success. But like the point of going on a date or to be texting a new girl or whatever or going on a phone call is to literally just find out if she is compatible with you if she would be a good person to add into your life. So far, we've been this ambitious thinking, oh, but I might be able to have sex with her. Sure, that this is what the majority of guys want, but the thing is we're no longer part of the 99% of guys who just want this level of ambition. We want everything, we want this, which is that sure, yeah, we will have sex with her, but we want to make sure that she's good for our lives, that we literally run towards our goals faster because she's in our lives. That we're not anxious that she's going out to clubs and parties because she's been on Tinder recently because she still has like these whole friends. We don't want that. To just sleep with a girl who makes you anxious. It's like, once you respect yourself, you realize that's not even worth it. The th- like the th- a few hours of pleasure for a distraction from your work and your purpose. It's like you realize it's not even worth it because then you end up thinking about this girl who's not even good for you. You need to convey this from literally the start and be fearless to think to yourself, okay, imagine going on a first date with a girl. And not in a weird way saying it, but just kind of like openly thinking to yourself, are we gonna be compatible? Because I really need a woman who's upfront and good at communicating, who I could literally say to her like, I feel anxious right now. And if you're dating some kind of party girl, she's probably not gonna do this for you. So you need to have the confidence to do something which is called effective communication. This is a seriously valuable skill to develop, but unfortunately for people of anxious attachment styles, we really haven't developed this well. Secure people have this naturally, this effective communication. Secure, healthy people are able to effectively communicate how they feel and what they want and what they need in a relationship to their partner. We're scared to do that because of two things. One, we're just anxious, so that's just worse, but two, Because we're anxious, we often have fallen into like these communities online, which have told us not to act like this because you will attract more girls if you don't act like this. But again, attracting more girls who aren't even right for you, who are a distraction and make you anxious isn't a good thing. So we're scared to do this. We haven't developed this skill before. What we're about to discuss goes against all of the dating advice you've probably ever seen before. And I am certain that this is actually the way forward. Once you're done with the phase of your life, if you do go through this phase of just, you know, like literally just just focusing on trying to get as much sex as possible to, to validate your ego. And then you realize that all of that was fucking pointless. And you start to think, okay, the thing that I actually want is an absolute awesome woman who actually I genuinely trust and who trusts me and who genuinely is helping me with my goals. And the sex with her is even better than every other girl that I've been with before that now you're talking like a good level of ambition. And the way that you get to that is to be able to effectively communicate that you have needs in your relationship that you're no longer scared to to talk about. For example, some of your needs is like your, your need for reassurance. You need to feel like you're loved and safe probably every single day you need your partner to, for example, know that you actually do have an anxious attachment style. And most of the time, whenever there's some kind of issue, or even a lot of times when there's no issue that your like your nervous system and brain's going to jump to conclusions and make you feel really anxious and scared. You should date a partner who knows this about you, but who is going to be that warm, loving, predictable person who's going to fearlessly compassionately keep loving you anyway. Imagine having a wife who literally is more, genuinely more attracted to you because she knows this about you. And now she feels special, like she she loves the fact that she can be this woman for you. This is when we, we're getting to a level of like love and relationships that we didn't even ever consider before because we fell down the degenerate path of like, you know, like thinking about casual sex and everything and that was successful. But I think this is the real success. Secure people knew this from the start. So maybe there's someone secure watching this day. And like, he's literally just talking about a relationship, but like for us, relationships have often been more about games and like being someone that you're not trying to like attract them by pretending to like, you know, by acting a certain way, which wasn't how you actually wanted to act, but it's what you've been told is more effective at like attracting a girl. This sounds so weird but genuinely the advice of just be yourself when it comes to a relationship is phenomenal, but it's like a bell curve. Like when you first hear the advice, it's terrible because you can be, you know, convinced, okay, just be myself. I'm a video gamer. That I'm a nerd. I'm needy. I'm all this. You need to go through your own level of self-improvement. At that point, it's like, it's no longer about, you know, just be lazy, but it's more like, okay, just be yourself in, in say and like know what you want in the relationship, know how you actually want to act in the relationship. And the idea is to no longer feel upset if for example, there's a girl who like rejects you. If there's a girl that you're know you you're honest with your needs and you, you, know, you communicate this. To no longer be upset if like there is a girl who just kind of disappears because it simply just means you weren't compatible. We were trying to hold on to as much love as possible. So we always saw it as a bad thing when there was a girl who kind of got away. But the idea is that if you can start from the beginning to display the kind of man that you are, like I even had it, I'm not going to do this cause I, like I'm happy as where I am, but like, I even had a, like a thought that if I was gonna use like Tinder or something right now, maybe this is advice for you if you do wanna use online dating, I would honestly write something about this in my bio. Like I think of the times when I used to use Tinder and my profile was just pure fuckboy and I literally just used it to meet girls and sleep with them on the first night and never speak to them again or, you know, until they messaged me like three days later and I'd ignore it for a week then I'd message them and, you know, like it's just this... I thought like, if you're genuinely looking for this loving relationship to play no games and literally to almost have it in your bio, like almost like a joke of something that I was going to write was like, um, you give me consistent and predictable love and security and assurance or something, and I'll retire you forever. Something like that. It's obviously like a little meme joke or some shit, but like the idea is like, wear your heart on your sleeve. Don't pretend to be colder than you are. Understand what your needs are, which are going to be different to mine, but most likely it's going to be just, you just want to feel very close to your partner and you really want them to know and to like, think about this concept of your attachment style. You want them to like, probably not get into environments that you're going to feel even more anxious in. Like, for example, you don't want her to have friends who are hoes, who are encouraging her to like, you know, come out and drink. And most likely like her friends are, are, you know, inviting guys out and stuff. You're probably going to feel anxious about that. You don't want her to be distant and to not reply all day. You don't want her to be going out to clubs. You don't want her to be friends with, with guys and stuff, right? You could hide all this stuff in your mind and just, you know, not acknowledge it. But then again, the thing is you're going to attract the girls who you're not even compatible with. So it's very worthwhile to just express your needs and to just say this in, in, in like a non-hurtful way. To so, you know, take a deep breath and just tell them the truth, even though it sounds kind of lame to say like, if you went out to that party i'm not going to lie i think i'd feel really anxious just that and just see how they reply and this seems this is scary to do because you're you're thinking right now like they're they're going to think i'm a chump or something but how she replies will tell you whether or not she was going to be this this woman that you should actually have in your life if she finds it weird and then she goes to the party anyway and you're there anxious as fuck it's like bro trust me she's not right for you So even though your relationship might have taken a hit because now you've opened up to her, it's like she wasn't right for you in the first place. But if she hears that and she's like, oh my God, yeah, you're so right actually. Like, why don't you just come to the party with me? Now you're talking, now you're thinking like, wow, like, like she didn't need to do that, but I just told her how I felt. And I felt like a little bit of a chump for it, but like she actually responded really positively. Judge how she responds when you're being totally honest. Is she empathetic? Does she make improvements and really try to give you what you need? For my girl, literally every moment that I've told her of something that I want her to do or that, you know, something that like, I don't want her to do, she's done it. She's literally like, she's, she's left friendship groups. She has like five people in her phone contact list. I've seen it. Seeing that your woman actually makes the improvements that she needs to do to make you feel more secure, because you know, she, like certainly they're, they're real improvements, right? That shows you like, oh shit, like maybe we are really compatible. Like she didn't need to be perfect to begin with. She you know, she could have been acting in ways that wasn't really perfect, but then as soon as you highlight it in a really respectful way, like a like a teamwork kind, teammates kind of way, and she responds and she's like, Oh my god, yeah, you're actually so right. Like I said, I said this to my girl, I told her like you have this one friend who isn't actually like she's your only friend who is like a hoe, like your other friends are actually like really good, but you've got this one whole friend who's not even good for you. I don't understand why you're still friends with her. And if I'm honest, if you ever do, like, when you, if you do spend time with her, or if you do anything big with her, like, if you end up going to, like, some party or something with her, like, she, I can uh, only think that this one friend is the one that you would do something that would make me anxious. And I wouldn't like that. I just don't really understand why you're still friends with this girl who, like, isn't even improving herself. You has got nothing in common. And straight away, my girl was like, yeah, you're ab- actually absolutely right. I have thought this before, actually. And she just yesterday sent sent her a message saying, like, um, they're not, they're just not going to be friends anymore. She literally sent her a big message. She changed her phone number. And so think about how like seen and heard and, and that I feel and secure. I feel now Does she like, you know, your anxious thoughts can still come. Oh, what if she meets her? You know, of course they can. But like, when you see that you've been honest and you've communicated something and the girl that you're with has actually made the improvements because of that. You get this like sense of security, which feels good. And this is how you, you should feel like at peace in a relationship. Do they respect your boundaries? Or do they think it's like cringe and uncomfortable and controlling? Because I'm gonna tell you a story, right? I dated a girl about two years ago, who this relationship was very toxic, This This was when I was reading this book that we're, we're talking about today. I was learning about anxious attachment style. And I communicated to her that, like, I felt too anxious for the the lifestyle she was about to go into. Like, she was about to go to university and she'd be living in a house where there'd be, like, a lot of parties. And she'd be living with some, like, degenerate friends. You know, girls who, like, go out and hook up with guys and take drugs and stuff. And I I just made it clear to her that, like, I didn't want her to go out with girls anymore. I didn't want her to party anymore. And what was interesting was that she actually understood straight away. And she changed her, like, her... um, her plans for me. She was literally going to go like move to university, move into like this house with other girls. And she genuinely changed the plan for me. That's awesome. Right. So I I felt even more secure, but then slowly like her friends and her family convinced her that this was controlling and manipulative. And it wasn't because this wasn't me controlling her. This was just me saying like, I would feel too anxious if this was like our environment, that was your environment. And this was like the logistics of our relationship that you were constantly like partying and stuff. And so her friends essentially, like, this is often what may happen to you, especially as you, like, you know, you acknowledge some things about what makes you anxious. You'll notice that sometimes people will, like, poison your girl's mind. Like, her whole friends, her family will poison her her mind and tell her, that like, the you-go-girl mentality. And suddenly, like, her mind flipped and she was like, yeah, it, it is actually controlling what you're saying, Hamza. Like, you, you don't want me to, like, go out for girls' nights out with my friends. You don't want me to go to parties and like flirt with guys there. That's controlling and manipulative. So we split up. I expressed my need. I expressed like, you know, how I felt. That I felt anxious when she was getting into these these degenerate environments that aren't good for you. This would genuinely not only be good for me because I'd feel less anxious. But like it'd be good for her as well to take a step back from like the, the party drug scene. Of course it would. But she couldn't really accept it. And so that made me, it made it clear that we were incompatible along with also seeing the incompatibility incompat- of her family and friends who were encouraging her to literally be a degenerate. So, so we broke up. Imagine if I didn't express this need, and imagine if every time she went to a party, or you know, she eventually goes to live in like a house where there's loads of parties. I'm just there, just anxious, thinking is she cheating? Is she flirting with guys? Imagine if I just lived with that, because all the red pill alpha males are telling you to like never show, like you know, never like t- say how you feel to a girl or anything. And I've gave advice like that before as well, and I I think in terms of attracting like a degenerate, like I would have been able to keep this girl in my life, right? If I followed more of the red pill path, which is like in a level that's kind, in a way that's kind of successful. Like, oh yeah, yeah, see, like, you know, but you split up afterwards, you lost her, bro. Like you would have been able to keep having sex with her if you just acted like a, like, like cold and like a chad, bro. But it's like, imagine how much mental to- turmoil I would have been through if I stayed there. But like, oh yeah, but you get to have sex with her, bro. It's like, who gives a shit? If there's a girl who's making you anxious, it is not worth literally sex or anything else that she can give you. I was honest, I com- communicated my needs. She didn't respect that. She didn't respect the boundaries. And so we simply split up and like, thank God that we did. I'm proud of, of how I handled that. So her response to your effective communication when you, you know tell a girl like how you feel, how she responds to it is literally just the best sign ever for you. Cause if you tell her like, oh, I actually feel anxious about this. And she finds it weird or she even looks like loses respect for you or something then you know that simply you're just not compatible with her and, and you know this is a new lens like a paradigm shift of dating which is like oh yeah this is the point of the point of dating isn't to try and get as many girls as you possibly can the point of dating is to try and find like the one or like the, you know, the multiple wives if you want to but, like the serious relationship which is actually really good for you This is the point of dating. It's to rule out the people who aren't good for you. And so to be honest with that, effectively tell her what you think about something in your relationship. Like, you know, you want to get closer. You feel anxious when she does this. You feel anxious about, you know, one friend that she has. You don't like the fact that she's got male friends or something like that, right? And just watch her response. Just see how she responds. And then you'll see if you are compatible or not. And this, I wrote this down, like this is so healthy, like we're used to playing games, we're following tactics and strategies to get them to like us more, to, you know, attract them more, fuck that. Improve yourself, you know, be a good man, be a, like a high status man, right? Be, be wealthy, successful, you don't stop improving yourself. But then who be who you genuinely are with 100% truth when it comes to like serious dating. Because you don't want to fall in love with a girl and have her fall in love with you only to realize that she actually fell in love with a fake version of you that you were putting on in the, the first stages of your relationship. And she's probably been doing that too as well. This is a paradigm shift for me. Which is somewhat anti red pill i'm certain i'm not blue pill at all trust me i'm not i'm not blue pill or black pill but this this issues with the red pill and it always comes down to its push for casual sex and its lack of morality when it comes to that the red pill is a very interesting place especially the the subreddit that i used to visit because it By men becoming red-pilled, but also by men chasing casual sex. That is the destruction of society. And that's the very thing that the red-pill men kind of talk about. Like, oh, you know, the West is finished and everything. Well, it's finished because of fuckboys and and girls who are degenerates. It's the main reason why. It's weird for me to acknowledge, like, you know, being slightly anti-red-pill. Because the red-pill served me really well. If you don't understand, the red-pill is like like this community online. It was mostly on Reddit and now it's just all over YouTube. It's like Tate has made it really popular. And it's pretty much a, a mindset that you should kind of act like the stereotypical Chad, like the alpha male to get girls. And it works extremely well. The, the way that you will attract the most girls is by just being pure red pill. But you start to realize that there's sex above this level. There's there's um, success above this level. This level is just like, oh yeah, like you know, just try and fuck as many girls as possible. And that feels awesome for so many guys. But there's levels above that, which is how about you try and meet like a woman who's genuinely good for you and then learn how to fuck her as many times as possible. And it's 10 times better with her because she actually knows what you like and she wants to put in the effort to make you feel good. The self-improvement parts of the red pill is absolutely crucial. I would not be the man that I am today if I didn't wake up every single morning on the the red pill subreddit and all these guys are saying to, you know, lift weights and to eat clean and to not be a little bitch. That's 100% really good. But when it comes to the dating tactics, which say, okay, act like this, don't talk so much. That's when it can get a little bit tricky. Like we said today, it makes you act like the stereotypical Chad who's cold and avoidance. And when you do that, and it's not the authentic version of you, which if you've watched this much of the video, it's that's not who you are. You end up never connecting with the actual girl that you... You end up never even attracting the girl that you genuinely would be compatible with because she's not attracted to the Chad guy. You end up attracting the girls who are attracted to this, like, avoidant personality, you know, this fake persona of yours who are literally damaged, broken girls who who's, like who the kind of love that they want is the one that they got from their father who was avoidant, who like, you know, wasn't around. Like, you don't want to attract girls like that. They're attracted to you when you're not around. They're attracted to you when you don't message them fast. Think about that. They're attracted to you the less that you show them love. You don't want to get into a dynamic like that. And even if you say, well, but what if I just fuck a few girls like that? It's like, degeneracy is below you casual sex is below us now it was like such a big goal for so many of us a while ago that you know We we wanted to fuck as many girls as possible. That feels awesome But just consider that like we're ambitious men and there's there's an ambitious goal above that Which is literally better for us in all ways So why don't we just set that ambitious goal, which is find the kind of wife that you still would have sex with five times a day even better To be in a loving, secure relationship where you genuinely don't feel anxious, where you genuinely, it's like she has has added so much peace and security and love to your mind that now you're actually achieving your goals even faster. Like imagine you're literally getting to your goals faster because you have like this genuinely good woman who you get no like bad, like you still get, you know, some anxious thoughts and stuff, but you like, you're able to solve these out and trust me, every step that you take towards like a good woman and and effectively communicating to her about these anxious attachment styles and telling her the truth and you know being scared to like open up about this every step that you take it's like you become like a new level of man you actually start to know what authenticity actually is And you start to make more money in your business. You start to have more of your mental capacity and you heal those childhood wounds that have have cursed you for all of your life. It is scary to defy the red pill. It is scary to defy like Andrew Tate and to say to your woman that you're you're scared and you're anxious. It's scary to do those things. But major growth comes at the end of this because you actually become who you are. For so long, I dumbed myself down to attract, like, girls from the nightclub, girls on Tinder. Like, when I think back to the kind of man I was acting like I was when I was going out to nightclubs and stuff, and I was, you know, I was, like, getting these girls. It's like, we had nothing in common, but I would pretend to be the guy that I knew that these girls were attracted to. And they were all over it. And so I got the success of, like, you know, being able to have sex with random girls. That pleasure doesn't last and pleasure is not even good for you anyway because like Andrew Huberman says this about dopamine, pleasure always leads to pain. The more pleasure that we indulge in, the more pain you will go through. And so why not just, why why would you take pain just for the pursuit of like sleeping with some random drunk girl who also, guess what? She just fucked a guy three days ago anyway. So it's not even special that you slept with her because other guys like literally like some guy who's 20% body fat just fucked her a few days ago. So like these girls that at least I was sleeping with, it's like, what's the point? It's like, there's no gain to that. Especially when you're like a disciplined guy who's working on like business and purpose. It's like, why not get a girl who helps that? Bro, if you find a woman who literally helps you with your purpose and your business by like 10%, Compared to going out to nightclubs, like all these degenerate pickup artists. Like you can, bro, you can go look at any pickup artists on YouTube. Literally just look at their faces. They don't look like they have souls. They genuinely don't look like they've got any of their souls left. You see this with every man and woman who's like had too much casual sex. You can see that their soul has left them. It's just literally, you can physically just go, go onto YouTube right now and just search for like, like, di- like pick-up artist advice or some shit or like pick-up artist reacts or something. You can literally look at these guys. They look like they don't have souls because they've, they've spent all their time just learning how to like sleep with degenerate women and it, and it, it destroys you inside, but you don't realize it till it's too late. Discover who you really are. And and, and I think this is the way to go about it. So when you start dating, let's say you've either got a girl right now or, you know, you're going on a date, be upfront with the kind of guy that you are and what you'd like in a relationship. This isn't to say on the first date, tell her, yeah, let's get married or some shit. But it's essentially just be authentic. When you get this thought, this desire to text her, text her. But of course, first, make sure the prerequisites are there. First, make sure that you're on self-improvement, that you're being productive, that you're working hard, right? These these are like prerequisites. You're not going to do well in either like any kind of strategy for dating if you don't actually have a life that you've been building up that's been, you know, actually valuable. But from that point, date in this most healthy way, which is that when you look at this woman that you're interested in, just ask yourself if you're actually compatible with her. And the only way you'll you'll feel that is if you're actually just authentic and you peel back these layers of discovering who you are. You know what you want and then you just effectively communicate that to her. Know that inside of a relationship you need to feel secure and loved and reassured and close to your partner know that and know it with 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 confidence that that is something that you want in a relationship something that I want in a relationship so settle for nothing less so when for example you go on a date with a really hot girl but then she ignores your message for like 24 hours and then she comes back to you just think to yourself like but I don't want a partner like that so you message her instead of, you know, you ghosting her and you withdrawing and playing the game. How about you just message her straight up and just saying like, you know, I, I was really impressed by our first date, but I actually want to only be in a relationship with someone who makes me feel secure and, and you keep disappearing. And I, I don't really want a girl like that in my life. Something like that. And imagine just being totally honest and she's going to reply or oh, she's going to ignore it, right? But then you didn't lose anything because you weren't compatible with her. If you got closer to this woman, you would have had a shit experience. Or maybe she says, you know what? Like, oh, like, actually, you're so right. Imagine you tell her the truth. Like, you know, I don't want to be playing games and stuff. I just want to, you know, whatever, like this. And she actually replies saying, yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't even know why I was, like, ignoring your message. I just, I just thought it'd make you like me more. But, like, I'm so glad that you're being honest. Imagine being able to communicate that effectively with a woman. Now you're on the same side as her. Now you're on the same team. This is how healthy people date. It just took us 20 years to get here. <laughs> <sighs> And again, like a counterpoint that people will bring up is like, okay, but what if you unattract her? What if, you know, she thinks that you're being needy? Well, then you weren't compatible with her in the first place. And if you pushed for anything deeper with a woman like this, you would have been hurt. You would have eventually fallen in love. And at some point you would begin to show the real you, but she still would have been like leaving you on red for like 24 hours. You want to find these things early and know, okay, yeah, she acts in this way that I don't like. So I'm just not going to date this girl. The worst thing for your anxious attachment style and also just the worst thing, honestly, one of the worst things that can, that could happen to you is that you fall in love with a girl who triggers your attachment system and makes you anxious. Having been there myself at points, and maybe you've experienced this, it is one of the worst experiences being totally in love with a girl who makes you like neurotically anxious, who you can't trust. It is literally one of the worst experiences of of life. And you got there most likely because you kind of lied about who you were when you were attracting her in the first place. One quick point I just want to talk about is dating a girl who also has an anxious attachment style. So every book and podcast and stuff that I've looked at always talks about dating in that you're the anxious attachment style person and you're dating an avoidant person someone who's always running away from you and stuff. And I've never actually experienced that. It's very interesting. Maybe I'm, I'm abnormal in this. It's something to do with me, I guess. But just from my own experience, every girl that I've dated has also had an anxious attachment style as well. So what this happens when you've got an anxious attachment style and she's got an anxious attachment style is that you both become attached very seriously and very quickly. Like Both of you like climb up together in, in the, the the stairway of love very quickly which feels so great you both of you both of you can't get enough of each other so you're so close you're literally physically like wrapped up in each other feels amazing till the honeymoon period ends and then the anxiety starts to form in your mind and maybe you're thinking about her sexual past maybe you think you can't trust her whatever it is but both of you then Fall down the like the hole of, of anxiety and and resentment and, and distrust. Maybe you're scared of opening up because you're scared of how she'll respond to you. Maybe she's scared that you'll abandon her like her father did. Whatever it is, if you are anxiously attached and you're dating an anxiously attached woman... It can be very tricky because you both have pretty much the the same characteristics. And so what makes both of you unite pushes it up fast. But what makes both of you have some kind of problems pushes it down fast. This can be, this can go wrong and it, it very easily will go wrong for you. The only way that I can think of to make this work, let's say just right now, if you're dating an anxiously attached woman, what you can do is to learn about this stuff, about attachment styles with her. As honest as you, like, you know, I've been hyping you up to be, to be authentic and to tell her your needs. We need her to do the exact same thing. There's research out there that, 100% it's obvious that the best kind of person that you should date is someone with a secure attachment style someone who's healthy and you know Who is like who's been raised right and everything but actually there's a few Anxiously attached couples where both man and woman are anxiously attached and they actually do really really well together but only if they're both understanding about attachment styles and they both kind of keep in mind that it's like your responsibility To give your gift of love and reassurance to the other person. If both of you at the same time can agree on saying like, this is actually like something like a huge area of growth. We're both going to try and be as honest and upfront and authentic. Suddenly it's like you actually get like, I'm telling you from experience right now, this is the thing that will put your like your, your progress in this area on the fastest track that I can think of possible where both you and your partner are looking into attachment styles and you've both gave this promise that yeah, we'll try our best to, both of us will try our best to like, you know, open up and be authentic and I I can message my girl and say like, I feel anxious about this. I could say it totally honestly. I feel anxious because you've got a friend who's a bit of a hoe and I'm scared that you'll meet her for a party and you might cheat. And when you've got a girl who can take a message like that and literally say like, oh, I'm so sorry that you feel that way, like, yeah, you're right. Actually, I've been thinking more about that friend and I don't even wanna be friends with her anymore. So that you're gonna send her one last message today. Imagine how good you're gonna feel, and of course, what one lesson? I, this is really specific advice. I don't know if this is gonna be applicable for you or not. But one other slight lesson I can give you is from what I've learned from the way of the superior man: is that the superior man doesn't just guide his woman into the direction that he wants her to go into. The superior man guides his woman into the divine direction, the direction that is best for her objectively. And that hopefully should be with you. So a decision that I like to make when it comes to encouraging and guiding and sometimes making my woman take some kind of decisions, some actions like, okay, you can't be friends with this person anymore. It's the thing. Okay. Is this just for me or is this genuinely like a direction of growth for her? So just keep that in mind because this is genuinely like, you know, the modern day soft people will say that this is controlling misogynist. This is your gift as a man. Like this is one of the most important things that you should do as a man It's to guide your woman into the best life possible. And so if she has bad influences, it should literally be like a part of your daily tasks to get her away from that in the most loving way where you show, where you don't, you don't know, say it out of like, oh yeah, if you don't uh, stop being friends with her, I'll break up with you because you, you give her this fear of abandonment and, you know, she needs to clutch on to love. You make her feel so loved and so secure that then you could, you you say it almost as if, her reputation's better than that. Like, I, I'm I'm kind of surprised that you're friends with someone like that. I'm surprised that you still like to go to parties because you've got onto self-improvement and you've really improved so much. And then you, literally, like, if you do this in the right way, your girl will literally say to you, like, you, yeah, you're so right. It, it, it's just like an old habit that, like, you know, I'm still friends with these people, but, like, I've got nothing in common with them. And I keep actually thinking, like, I don't even want to see them anymore, but I just feel, like, scared to do it, you know, because, you know, girl code and everything. And if you do this through love in a way that you kind of say like, I feel quite anxious when you do this, but I still love you anyway, because you're remembering, okay, like she still has the anxious attachment style as well. So it's like, you know, you're keeping that in mind. You can really grow well together. Just know that anytime you want to be honest and authentic about what you feel a little bit anxious about to a girl who's also anxious, know that she might then start to feel anxious because, you know, if you tell her like, oh, I really feel bad right now she's not only she wants to help you, but she's going to start to feel anxious herself. So it's like, it's like this, this constant give and take, which I don't know if this is applicable to anyone else, but honestly, it's, it's the best feeling I've ever had in a relationship is when we're managing this really well. Honestly, it's absolutely incredible of how much I've developed as a person in, in a very short amount of time when I kind of have like this agreement. To bo- for both of us to give like this gift of love and reassurance to think about the other person whilst we also are promising to like open up and be authentic. And one more time, if things don't work out, if for example, if it turns out worst case scenario that, you know, you, you act like proper honest and everything, but it turns out worst case scenario that she's been like thinking that you're a chump because of this and that that hurts to think about, it simply means that you weren't even compatible anyway. That's all we've got to think about. It just means that, okay, she wasn't the girl that I'm actually compatible with. Okay. You know, it hurts that she betrayed me or that she thought worse of me because I was being honest about these things. But this is literally the process of dating. It's just finding out if someone's compatible with you or not. The process of dating is literally to just try to be as real of who you actually are, of your deep inner thoughts and feelings. And to find out if someone else can can pair up with you with that and then to to try and find out their deep inner thoughts and feelings there's something interesting I learned which I just want to teach you about which is that arguments in in dating in like couples is actually really normal so you know like the Hollywood movies and and all the you know the modern day propaganda they they make it seem like if a couple argues it's a bad thing. And it's almost like a milestone or, you know, like you, you might have heard some couples say like, oh yeah, like, you know, we, we, we've been together for nine months and we've literally never argued. That's actually a horrible sign because what it actually means, you are know, the couple that says this, maybe you said this about yours or maybe your girl said this, or you've heard some couple say, oh, we never argue. Like, you, you know, we never disagree on anything. What it actually means is they're not bringing, like they're not communicating what's going on, but inside of their minds, they're probably resenting each other, but they're not speaking about it. Because an argument shouldn't be toxic. It shouldn't be aggressive, right? But you should have disagreements. You should have some moments of conflicts, of disagreements, right? And in the modern day, we're told to like kind of avoid this and to be this like perfect couple that never disagrees on everything because this is what we see in movies. But it's not realistic. Secure couples still argue and literally still fight, but in different ways. Because if you're authentic and honest, you're going to have lots of mini disagreements through your time together, because when you be, when you get into a real couple, you're really sharing a lot of experiences together, and you're gonna disagree on a lot of things. But we're told that these disagreements are a bad thing, and so we avoid them. We keep them inside. We think this thing about her, but we don't say it because we don't want to start like an argument, because you know we want to hit that milestone with like the happy couple who say we never argue. You know the girl who says that about her and her boyfriend, but that girl's getting dicked by another guy. Or when you see it online and, oh yeah, we never argue. We've literally never had a single fight. It's because both of them resent each other in their minds. Like literally the research, like the shit I've seen, the the good relationships, they actually go through a lot of conflict and disagreements, but it's just like, and that's because they're able to be honest with each other and they're able to look at each other and say like, oh, I don't like that you did this. The perfect couple that that never argues, they don't say that. So the girl thinks, I don't like that you did this, but doesn't say it. And one thing leads to another three months later, she's fucking someone else without telling him, like literally cheating. You need to have the confidence to think, you can say to your partner, I don't like that you did this, I feel this way, I feel like this. I I would rather do this. Because it's easier to just go along with what's what's, the easiest thing. Especially with, with as a masculine man in, in terms of working. It's easier for you to just kind of go along. With, your girl wants to see you and you're like, yeah, go, whatever. Yeah, you can come. You know, you don't want to upset her. It's harder to look her in the face and say, you know, like, I'll just be totally honest, baby. Like, I, I don't actually want to see you just yet. It's not because I love you. I really do love you. But, like, I'm so in work mode. And I just, if I saw you right now, I just wouldn't be able to be present with you. I, I've, <laughs> you've got nothing to worry about. I'm sure I'm going to see you very soon. But just for the next few days, like, I'm so focused on work. Other than... Like, on the opposite hand, you could have just invited her over, spent time with her when you didn't want to, and you're resenting her, thinking, oh, I just wish I could work. I just wish I could be with my friends or something. If you're honest, there's going to be lots of mini disagreements and conflicts that arise with you and your partner. So instead of hoping for a relationship where there's no disagreements, no arguments, no fights, you should instead try to build the skills and, and the awareness of how to go about conflicts in a healthy way. And it is totally realistic, right? Don't believe that the Hollywood lies. Don't believe that ideal happy couple or anything. It's totally realistic. So the idea is, number one, when you literally just, just be honest and effectively communicate how you feel and what you think, there's gonna be lots of times through the day where you actually don't like something about your partner. And if you hold that in, you will be like that old couple that resent each other for something that happened 40 years ago and they've never fully loved each other since then. They've always been bickering and literally nagging at each other. They've they've stopped having sex and everything. There's gotta be something in your mind where you think you're literally anxious about your girl for something. Maybe for good reason, maybe not. Maybe there's something that you're going to be disappointed about. And if you don't acknowledge this and if you don't effectively say this to her, it will eat you alive. And you'll literally think about it when you're next to her. Sometimes you'll think about these things when you're literally having sex with her. It's not good for your bonding experience. So the next time something comes up and you start to think of, you know, something that you should say to her, don't hide it away in the most respectful, loving way, especially if your woman has anxious attachment style herself, but even if she doesn't. Say it in a, such a loving way of like, you know, I, I really, really love you and everything. But there's this one thing that I really would love to work on together. And it's this. Show that there's th- three strategies in terms of like communicating this and in terms of you know, navigating uh, conflict. Show that you care about her well-being. Understand that a conflict and a disagreement doesn't need to be like uh, an uh, us versus them, a zero-sum game that in these moments of conflict, in these moments of like, you know, you both disagree on something, both of you can win. And the more ambitious man tries to find a way where you both win. So whatever, you know, there's so many things you could disagree on from as small as like, what thing to watch on YouTube together, what food to get to like big disagreements and everything and the way you guys act to each other. The more ambitious man will find a way where both of you feel like you're winning. And this is important and and, and there's, you know, there's real science to say that the happier your partner is, if you make your partner happy, you feel happier, which is kind of common sense. And we understand this with like, you know, the primal nervous system. If we make her feel happy and loved, chances are, we're probably going to feel happier and loved literally just by the act of us doing that. But not only, of course, that since they're happier and more in love, they're going to give that more to us too. So sometimes it's easier for me to think of ways to make her happier than it is to make myself happier. Does this make sense? Like, I, I know this it, This can push onto that, that somewhat cringe motto of like happy wife, happy life or something. And it isn't that, oh yeah, you should just sacrifice everything for your wife or something. But it's more to think like, you should keep in mind through the day that you want to make your woman as happy as you can do. That that's not simping. I shouldn't need to explain this. It's like, that's the point we're in a relationship. And you should only be in a relationship with a girl who literally thinks the same thing about you. And so when there is some kind of disagreements, you should, you should try to like make it like a win-win for both of you. And sometimes that's as simple as just getting your own way, but just showing your woman a bit of love at the same time. Another thing is when there is some kind of conflict, let's say you need to tell her something, right? Or something you're upset about, whatever. Focus on the task at hand. So this is something I struggle with. There's a very specific thing that's happening right now that's made you feel like this, which is like, okay, her female friend who's at home this thing that she was disrespectful about, this thing that you did and she's saying it to you. It's very easy for that to overblow. And instead of being about this situation, it becomes more about each other's character and about each other as a whole. And that's like when it gets catastrophic and it gets into a huge argument and offensive and everything. There's a a brilliant piece of advice when it comes to becoming more successful. And it's simply just like define the problem specifically. Like when you're trying to work on something, half of the problem is just defining exactly what the problem is. Like oftentimes, you don't actually know what you're even working on. And so this sounds a bit like obsessive or whatever, but before you're about to go through some kind of conflict with your girl, you could literally write down, okay, what is this conflict specifically about at the top of a page or a page on your computer and really just discipline yourself to just focus on that one instance. And of course, there's other things that you might want to talk about, but you can solve this specific thing. Every time they arise and it's like you're getting 1% better each way and quickly you're building up like a list of experiences, of memories that you've had where you guys have come together and overcome some things rather than having one thing that leads to like this outburst where you start to say that she's a bad person in general rather than, oh, she messed up in this one particular area that we'd like to talk about and hopefully we, we can confirm that it'll never happen again. Final one in terms of, hang on. It's hard recording these videos, bro. There's no editing, this is a one-take video. I've been talking for like two hours, my throat's dry, man. <laughs> the final thing in terms of overcoming some kind of conflict and, and disagreements is just to engage. So this is something, again, that I need to work on. It's very easy when there becomes some kind of problem in the relationship to disengage and to withdraw. I have a natural tendency to do this whenever they get some kind of like you know some problem i'll i'll disappear i'll stop replying to messages i'll just like you know create some distance i'll go to the gym and and not reply to her messages and maybe this is something i did as like a little baby like I, i took a step back from my parents when they were arguing or something like that but then this doesn't get anything like done now of course if you're feeling really angry and emotional or maybe she is. It's awesome to suggest, okay, let's cool down. Let's just go for a walk. Let's just go do something maybe separate. Let's, you know, like, let me just go to the gym and I can, like, you know, really get my head in the right place. Let me journal. That's really good. That's, like, essentially, you're you're still engaged, but you're just choosing a better mental state to do it. And, you, you know, you show to your partner, like, I know I really love you, but it'd be better if we just did this in, like, an hour. Let me just go, like, like cool my head. But I'll still be here, don't worry. And also, just bear in mind that whilst if you... Do take a little moment to clear your head. Like she's probably feeling worried as well. Remember like a lot of this is, you know, we only spoke about ourselves through this. But now it's since we're talking about, you know, really dating a woman and stuff. Know that she's probably feeling worried too. And literally the fastest way that you can make yourself feel less worried is by making her feel less worried first. Because when you make her feel less worried and she starts to feel like the loving bond again, she's going to give it back to you. And often as men, we need to take the first step. It's just like literally how it works with the masculine men. We take responsibility. We take the first step, which is really hard. And especially if you feel like a little bit resentful and you want her to take the the masculine first step, you can do. But oftentimes like, she'll be too scared to do it because she is more vulnerable than us. You know, at the end of the day, we are caveman and woman. And like she needs us to take the first step towards everything in life. That's That's just what we have to do as men. And it can feel really hard at moments of, you know, problems in the relationship for us to take the first step that even if she's done something bad, that we need to show her love. And that's when she'll crumble down and then show us the love that we needed in the first place. And that's just how it works in a relationship between masculine man and feminine woman. So when some shit does happen in a relationship, you can resolve it in literally minutes by just staying engaged and, you know, figuring it out together, showing her love and trying to engage with this one particular problem. And you can get rid of it within minutes. Or you could be that middle-aged couple that literally still resents each other for something that they did 20 years ago. You see this with some couples. Maybe you see this with your family. It's not not like unheard of or like unlikely to see genuinely like a middle-aged husband and wife. You know, it seems like they don't really like each other. They don't have sex. They're always bickering and stuff And it literally started because of something 10 years ago that was minor But they never said anything about it They just had like a big fight and one of them left the house for like a day Then they came back They never really apologized and they always have these negative thoughts You don't want that you want everything out in the open If you want to stay with her engage fearlessly and resolve the things that happens. Now, that was the three things we should do. There's things that we should avoid, and we're more likely to do these. Getting sidetracked from the current problem. So, you know, just just you know, there's a specific problem right now. She did this, you did this, you feel like this, whatever, whatever it is, but then you just like I said before, it's like you build build it up to some bigger thing and and oh no, you did this, and that's because you're a bad person. That's because you're a lie, like you you catastrophic. You make how do you say the word catastrophize catast I can't even say the word, but you make the the event as big as it possibly could be instead of actually just looking at the event as what it actually was, whatever the disagreement was. This is what like some couples do. it's like they'll literally have a disagreement of what to eat, and then they'll genuinely go into an argument about each other's character. oh but you never you always change your mind, but you always do this it's like but it was literally just about what to eat if you stayed on track with that. You wouldn't have went into a full-blown argument. Another one, of course, of, you know, an issue in conflict is not effectively communicating. So as soon as you feel like a, a, a thought and a feeling and a, and you should just say this to them, but in the most loving and, and respectful way that you can. Because if you keep something in your mind, you will hold resentments. Attacking them, being hostile, angry. These are quite obvious. It's like in a conflict, like just... Make sure you don't turn into an asshole. Make sure you don't raise your voice. You're going know, to speak to her as if she is the woman that you're in love with because she is. <laughs> Tit for tat, which means kind of like, you know, if she did this, I'm going to do this. Making her jealous, trying to one-up them, withdrawing, not focus on their well-being or caring about them. You know, these are things that you do, not because you're a bad person, but just because they just... You know, these are just how we've kind of built ourselves over the last, like, 20 years. To wrap this section up in terms of dating someone else, just know that, okay, we know we have needs. We know that we want to be in a, in a loving, secure relationship. That's really, really awesome. So does she. And women are, are a lot more sensitive to, like, you know, anxiety than we are. So if you're dating a woman who's... Secure then you still need to show her like a really good level of love and everything fine But if you are a dating a woman who's anxiously attached just like we've been saying so much in this this video that like, you know like we need to You know show our needs and we really want someone to, to love us and to be consistent. Well, we should want to do that for her You have the gift the same way that she does even if you're dating a woman who's secure She still needs your gift of compassionate love. She still needs you to sometimes help regulate her. Like you can be the guy now that regulates someone's nervous system and you know, they look at you and they see that you genuinely just want good for them, that you genuinely just love them. And no matter how secure and healthy a person is, like there's gonna be moments in their time when they need that from you. And if you can start to prepare yourself for moments like that right now, like that is the greatest gift that you could give to someone is literally regulate their nervous system so that they feel safe, they feel loved. And that will calm them down that will make them feel loved and warm and happy and social and relax their muscles. And suddenly they'll give it back to you. And you and your girl will be able to unite into like this beautiful, loving relationship that we we see so rarely these days because we play so many games and tactics and we pretend to be more busy than we actually are. Now be busy. I want to keep giving this disclaimer. Be busy. Have good friends that you spend time with. Work out, don't look at your phone whilst you're working and stuff. Do those things, build yourself up. But when it comes to the woman that you want to pair up with, be who you are. Because after a year goes by, you don't want to find out that the woman that you've got an attachment and a pair bond with that you've built history with, you don't want to find out that she's actually like fallen in love with someone who's not even real. You want to be as real as you possibly can be because you will just filter out the women who then aren't even compatible with you. And when you do meet the woman who is compatible with you, and and it won't be some fairy tale, you'll still have to work on it. That's when you'll start to get this beautiful, beautiful experience when you can genuinely feel like how you were supposed to feel. And when that happens to you, right now this sounds vague, but I promise you when that happens to you, you'll start to realize like, you know, all those quotes and stuff that you heard, like, yeah, social connections, the most important thing that humans are supposed to be in tribes and stuff. You will start to see that and be like, wow, the most important thing in life is actually other people. And one last quick section, just to let you know that there can be other people outside of dating too. So mostly we've just spoke about, you know, your intimate partner with a girl and that's where attachment styles are the most like sensitive and everything. But you should try to get lots of people to co-regulate with. You should try to have like friends and a community and a tribe of people who will help you ease your nerves and make you feel welcomed and safe and everything and there's there's two suggestions i can give you here one is my own private paid community if you're interested in that i've never mentioned it before on like videos but it's called adonis academy and it's like a smaller group it's like not a discord server it's like literally there's less than 200 people in this compared to my discord server that's got like a, a 200,000. but this is like a smaller community where we're a lot closer And we meet up in person and everything. So if you're interested in that, there's a link in the description. But otherwise, if you just want like free places, you can join like sports clubs and Discord servers, you know, online, like YouTubers, communities and everything, running groups. And there's some places which aren't like totally free, but they're totally worth the price, which is like martial arts clubs. The... The one that I'm at, which I highly recommend, is like a chain franchise. It's called Gracie Barra. It's like a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu club. And it's like very good, very like standardized. It's got extremely nice, warm, loving people. And it's like, it's got like almost this family vibe, this club that I go to, where you walk in and people actually know you. Once you've went to like, you know, two, three times, people know you, you you drilled with this guy last time and, and he's saying, oh, how are you this morning and stuff. And like, just feeling like you're welcome in this new place. Or, you know, in the same place after a while and long time, long time. That really helps you to feel co-regulated. It really helps you to feel like, yeah, I am safe here. I am accepted here. I am loved. We needed that from childhood. For some unfortunate circumstance, we didn't really get it from our parents. But there's absolutely nothing stopping us from getting it from other people these days. I hope this video has helped you. And if there's one last thing you do just before you click off this video, let it just be to start to form a new self-image for yourself. So really just close your eyes for like literally 20 seconds and just just see the version of you that is actually co-regulated and connected and like there you are with a smile on your face and one by one other people are coming in so warm and receptive with the perfect body language and like they're just wrapping their arms around you and, and like there you are in the tribe as you were supposed to be. That is who you are now. You have the skills and the knowledge and the, and the capability to achieve that. And I wish that for you. I wish it for myself as well. Do the hard work, especially when you don't feel like it. Mwah!